Welcome to Misunderstandings of the Mind podcast, the space where we explore common misunderstandings of how life works, allowing us to gain new perspectives on health, wealth, relationships, and much more. Life doesn't have to be hard work. It can be a flowing collection of experiences if we learn some simple truths about how our experience is created. Through this understanding, we realize that at a fundamental level, we are all already whole and perfect. Okay, we're live. Hi, Wynn. Welcome to Misunderstandings of the Mind podcast. Good to be here. Great. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. It's um, a topic that I'm really interested in. So um, today's topic is misunderstanding of leadership and um i guess we can just start off with the basic you know so like what exactly is leadership or or how does it look to you what it is that's i think having two parts to that question is really important um even this morning so for those of you listening i'm actually now on my iphone okay and i'm actually going to uh tell you that this morning i looked up the current definition of what is leadership and I put it into the favorite search engine <laughs> and I came up with just a bunch of things and my favorite on the first page of this was 100 answers to the question what is leadership and then it starts there are as many definitions of leadership as there are leaders <laughs> so that I thought was really fascinating um, mm. But I think for the sake of today, it's worthwhile kind of narrowing it down and answering the second part of your question. And, and the way that I personally see leadership is how well other people follow you. Because hmm. to me, that defines really what leadership is for. And the purpose of having a leader in, a, in an organization is that they take people with them. Or the leader even of a family is that people will follow. Um, even as a parent or as a, as a teacher in school, as a, um, as a head teacher, anyone with people that are reporting into them in a, you know, a classical kind of structure, but of course that can be far more organic in every walk of life. Mm. Then how effective somebody is, at people following them to me is what really defines leadership. Yeah. I, I've heard people say a lot of the time, lead, like leaders create other leaders and, and kind of dictators create followers, you know, like what do you, what do you think about that? Well, I, I love the first part of it, but then the second part, which is saying something similar, but it's got a different word such as dictator in there. Um, that's when it can become, I guess, potentially dangerous that if someone is amazing at creating followers, then what then happens is that they can misuse that, their ability in a way. And I'm, I'm taking the negative view on dictatorship. I know that because I'm making up my meaning of the word, yeah. um, but it can then be used for, well, for any purpose. And if that purpose is, self-fulfilling or if that purpose is towards um, not the greater good then that can be i guess a dangerous attribute for someone to have 
And, and yet, I'd like to think that anybody listening to this would see that it would be towards towards a goal that's good for everyone. So whether that is towards the vision of a company, which is where classically leadership would be termed as so one example of the definition of, of leadership that I'm quite familiar with is having the ability of people to follow you towards a greater vision of the company or a team in the long term. And that also could be, in, in, as I said, in any walk of life, it could be in a household. Yeah. It, it could be in training a pet, uh, your dog to sit and to obey. It could be uh, bringing, up, bringing up children. It could be anything. Yeah. So what are the, what are the qualities, you know, of somebody in that, of somebody with, you know, that somebody would have who's in that position? There's heaps of research on this. Yeah. Heaps of research on what are the, the characteristics of a great leader. And it, it kind of, in my mind, there's a lot of commonality when you peel the layers back from the ideas within um, the research and other people's papers on this. And one of the most respected ones that, in my mind, kind of does that, which is to, to have that, the common foundation of what most of the other ideas are. Um, is a paper written in 2002 in, um, in Harvard, and it was published in 2002 in Harvard Business Review. Mm. And it's by a few of the, of the people who are Harvard professors, and one of them being Amy Cuddy. And Amy Cuddy was possibly more well-known for um, power poses before giving a talk. Um, that's what really made her very well-known, and that TED Talk made her... Um, which is an interesting TED talk, but the one in my mind that's far more useful is, is that her and her colleagues in Harvard defined the characteristics down to two, to two attributes, which is the, their warmth and competence. And warmth defined by them was how much um, good feeling there is between them and their teams and their people and their colleagues, and then competence to the degree to which their, their teams and colleagues view their ability to do a job. And I, I love the fact that those two dimensions, the human dimension and the ability dimension, are both there, because to me that's, it literally does come down to that. In looking at all the leaders that I come across in my work in the corporate world, and in training leadership and in training um, individual departments and functions and within teams and to notice what does make a leader be really good. In other words, that people will follow them is their ability to do a good job and their ability to have that warmth with people. The other part that, that is suggested in this, in this piece of research is that warmth comes first. If people are going to follow a leader, which sounds like a, um, a school ground, <laughs> a school ground game that I remember as a kid, yeah. from, unfortunately a very long time ago now, but I still remember it to this day, the whole follow the leader. Then yeah. the, the first attribute that helps people follow is warmth and then competence comes with their ability to see someone's competence comes with time. But without warmth, there's no point in having competence, no point in having a strength in that. 
And I love the fact that that really does humanize what makes a really good leader. Yeah, when you said that, I was really struck by the word warmth. It kind of feels like it's got, um, it carries a lot of weight, you know, just kind of like, I, it's almost like I had a vision of it, you know, I can see it, you know, that like that's such an important part of connection between people. So what, like, what do you, what's your, um, what did you, before you found this understanding, you know, what were you working in coaching then in the same way? And what changed you, you know, like in, when, when you found this understanding in the way that you um, worked with leaders in businesses, you know, what, what was different? Well, let's say that I'd read up that the idea of warmth and strength, um, I read up about that without the understanding of how the mind really works and how humans really operate yeah. compared to now what I see about how the mind works and how humans operate. I, I think I'd have done the classic two by two Boston matrix of warmth and competence. Let's say that competence being on the, on the horizontal X axis and on the, on the vertical axis, then would be the warmth in the Y axis. And I would, train a, a team of leaders and managers in understanding that model. And in my mind, that is useful, but not transformative. So it'd be, in other words, another way of saying it would be, it would be quite superficial. It would be at a behavioral level. Okay, so if you behave warmly towards somebody, and if you then demonstrate your competence, then that will be great. And it very much at a behavioral level. Well, now what I do when I introduce the notion um, of warmth and competence, well, first of all, before doing that, I would ask their opinions as a group. Let's say I had eight managers in the room, eight leaders in the room, um, which I've done three times in the last three weeks in three different countries. Yeah. what their view of leadership actually is, and then what are the attributes of, of leaders. Then kind of like group them into, okay, so you can notice here there's the ability to do a good job and the fact that there's a human element to this. And, and from there then say, okay, well, there is this piece of research in 2002 that, that shares warmth and competence. But what I would do now that's different than what I would have done before I would really go under the skin of peel the onion way back, really way back into understanding the nature of warmth between two human beings to really go behind the scenes of what makes somebody naturally warm towards another human being. And it's amazing when people then notice the fact that all that takes is me being me with less thinking about me and what it might mean to me and me just having a, a meaningful conversation and an interaction with somebody else without me spending so much time in my head. My listening goes up. My ability to ask smart question goes up. Um, I'm noticing the natural, the natural innate connection between me and this other person in my team. And I'm genuinely then curious to them 
I'm curious as to what they and I would create together. And also to notice that while that answers the question about warmth and we would have, well, in my mind, I could easily spend four days with a group of people on warmth alone, nothing else. Yeah. But also, I think understanding the mind and seeing the misunderstanding of mind also answers the question about competence. So what is it in a human being that enables them to do a good job at 10 o'clock on a Tuesday morning and at Thursday at 3.30 do less of a good job and then on Friday morning at, at 8.37 they're firing in all cylinders again. What's that about? And, and again, I could spend four days minimum with a group of people on that, but when we shine a light on what's behind each of those two, um, two things about what does make someone good at their job, what does make someone warm naturally, that really transforms the leader to be the best that they can be. In my, in my mind, because that's what I've noticed, certainly. And I've noticed that really shift in the last two years in the work that I have with organizations. When we really get under the skin of it and peel that onion back to its true nature of warmth and competence. Yeah. So, like, what do you notice as, like, as a, as a difference? You know, what do you notice as the difference of the outcome of teaching people about how the mind works? You know, like pointing to leadership versus teaching them behaviorally. You know, about warmth and competence. The way that they show up is hugely different. So. Let me give you an example of somebody um, recently. So this was someone in North America on the West Coast earlier this year. And I think this was day two of a, of a two and a half day workshop in the mid-afternoon. And, and she was in charge of uh, one part of that, that organization and a really integral part of that organization for its future growth. And she just said, wait a minute. So this just means this is me being me talking to somebody else who's just being them. That's all this is. <laughs> and I looked at a colleague of mine who was observing the workshop, um, one, of, one of someone I've been mentoring for the last year or so, and she just, she just smiled. And, um, and I went, yeah. And for her to realize that, and I know because we had a follow-up call just two weeks ago, has made a huge difference to her because now she's not, living in the idea of what it's like to be her. She's just living as a human being, connecting far more deeply and meaningfully and naturally with others. And all of a sudden, her relationships with her team members has skyrocketed. And what, what's fascinating to notice as well is that me as an observer and, 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 and her leader of that team, of that department within the company, notices the change for her it's just what do you mean i'm different yeah okay well i know i i saw some stuff but but she doesn't even notice the fact that well yeah i'm getting on better with my people but i think maybe maybe that's something else maybe something else is going on maybe because we're having a good year so far that i've got less i feel less pressure and 
and my team are doing great. So that's maybe why we're having such great relationships. And in my mind, it is literally the other way around. Literally the other way around. Yeah, I always find it so interesting when you've um, had a workshop or done coaching with someone and then you speak to them like a week later and they say, oh, like those problems, they've just disappeared. But it was nothing to do with the coaching. It was like something else, you know. They never connect the two things, you know, about making, seeing how the mind works, you know, and, and, see, and, and like the fact that they've got better just doesn't seem to connect for a lot of people. They think yeah. it's down to something practical or something circumstantial. Mm. Yeah. Um, I, I guess that leads me to my, you know, my question that I like to ask everyone is like, what, what is the biggest misunderstanding, you know, like that, that's out there about leadership? Or just how you see it, really? Well, what I notice, this is what I find amusing, is that one person's view of leadership is not the same as somebody else's until we've got some common ground there. So in my mind, to answer that question simply, what's the biggest misunderstanding of leadership is that leadership is misunderstood. So you know, to give you an example of that, somebody recently, uh, one of, uh, I think, four people in a department that the company came to me to coach them over a six-month period, one, one person said to me, okay, well, the reason that they wanted um, me to work with you is because I need to become a better leader. Okay, tell me what that means. Well, I don't know. They just said my leadership skills aren't very good. Well, what, is the, what, is, what does that mean? I, I don't know. Now, to me, the person in the organization above them in the org chart, their manager, their boss, doesn't understand leadership either if they think that hey i'll just get this person's leadership skills to be higher that'll work because leadership as a skill is not one thing it's a heap of things when in the, at a behavioral level but this person didn't have an idea as to well is it my listening is it my connection is it that i'm, I'm self-obsessed is it that i'm uh, insecure w what is it is it that i need to think more strategically and and that's another thing that people don't really understand what that means either, thinking strategically. And that person was lost. Because leadership is sometimes a catch-all statement that we give to what we expect from people at a certain level in an organization, in business. And until there's a, a real good level of understanding as to what that actually means, nothing can change. Yeah, it's 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 just a made up concept, isn't it? You know, it's like until there's a definition or an understanding of of what it looks like to everyone, it it just could we could be just be talking apples and oranges, right, right. And a slightly different way of answering your your question, as as well as really understanding what anybody means about leadership, is that, and again, this this has happened three different people in three different companies in three different countries have said this to me um, during the month of April. Well, it's funny, you know, because what I find really difficult in, in, in managing a group of people and managing this department, and in fact, some of these are really senior people, they would manage an entire country for a company. 
two of them were. And they said, if I say the same thing to 10 people, well, three of them don't do anything like what I thought they would. Maybe three of them will, three of them partly, three of them not at all, and, and one of them just comes back and asks me, and, and they're great. Well, the fact that they think that's a surprise surprises me. Because <laughs> to me, well, and I, I literally said this to the both of them, um, <laughs> which was, you know what's funny is the fact that I would guarantee that would be true. Yeah. This person had no idea of the separate realities of human beings and pointed at their behavior as up to them as opposed to, well, maybe I've got something to do with that. It's in them. These three that don't, have, that don't follow at all, it's, it's their fault because three of them do, great. And um, what about the three that don't? What's up with them? And I think I made the joke. It would be like a British person, because we all speak English, going to another country and expect everyone to understand someone in English. It would be like the typical Brit abroad broad in France, right? In rural France, saying, I would like a baguette, please. And then the person um, behind the counter says something back in French, possibly how many baguettes or uh, which size or what type. And then the Brit abroad would say, I would like a baguette, please. <laughs> uh, and then the person saying again, I would like a baguette, please. And expecting the person to understand and all we're doing is saying the same thing slightly differently. But until there's an understanding of what people understand in the communication that they receive as a human being, it's natural for us to think that saying, I would like a baguette, please, more slowly makes sense. But of course, that's not true about the message that someone else, someone else receives. But the, the common misconception is, is that we expect other people to understand what we think. Well, good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> I was having a conversation. I mean, that's common in all relationships, isn't it? I was having Ooh. a conversation with a friend last night and, and um, we were saying that like, we really want people to read our minds, you know, to know what we want and, and to know what, how we think and how we see things. You know, it's almost like if you can't read my mind, you must not really understand me. I don't even want to explain it. I just want you to guess what I'm thinking or what, or how it looks to me, you know? And if you can't read my mind, it's your fault. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating, isn't it? So it, it really looks is like, fascinating. It, it looks like, like the biggest, um, the biggest shift, you know, for somebody in a leadership position is, is the understanding of separate realities, you know, the, the, the misunderstanding of, of how the mind works, you know, seeing that more clearly. Yeah, I would say that would be what people need to understand to help connect better with another human being and to understand the fact that it is separate realities, that we are experiencing life inside, from the inside, from it's what I think that creates how I feel right now. It's what I think about what someone else says is what I actually do, not what they've said. 
yeah and and given the nature of 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 my thinking about what you might have said to me that will determine what i do not what you've said that to me is blatantly obvious between a, you know between two human beings and, it, and in my mind when someone doesn't see the surprise in that and they see that that's how humans operate and including them problem and starting with them because if they don't see it for themselves good luck right yeah. um that can be really helpful I, I think the other thing to that as well is if they also saw if the leader also saw what gets in their own personal way to being warm and showing up uh with warmth and competence, then again, that will make the biggest difference for them. Or another way of saying it would be, if I've got something on the outcome, me win as a leader, if I've got something on the outcome of this conversation, and I think it really matters to me, you know, the results and the results are completely, uh, that has a massive impact on my own well-being it has an impact on my status in life it has an impact on who i am how i'm going to do that's not a not true and b if it's believed that makes any interaction between that leader me win in this example with somebody else really go south it's not going to be good because i'll have all of that on my mind and my presence with this other person me showing up purely with this other person is nowhere near as good as when I'm not engaged with the stuff in my own head. And when I understand what the stuff in my own head is made of and how that works, and I really don't fall into the misunderstanding that how I see life is how life actually is and how I see this other person is what this other person is going to make is made of and what they're capable of. If I see that I'm at the, the mercy of thought in the moment, not truth, then I can really show up differently as a leader. Yeah. And that way, wisdom comes through, you know, when you're not caught up in the outcome, right? And you more know instinctively what to do and things take, you know, positive, turns you know in the in outcomes i guess right right so i'm i'm better on both of those axes earlier on when i talked about if warmth was on the the vertical axis the, the um, i think i said it that way around but either way around but yeah. if i look at the two axes of warm, warmth and competence what you've just said about wisdom showing up is that i'm gonna have an awful lot better ideas I will solve that. I will solve problems. I will have fresh ideas for innovation. I am far more likely to see the other person's point of view. And then us work together in figuring out what to do. I see things more clearly and, and I act far more freely and far more in line with what really makes sense in spite of the noise that I sometimes have going on in my own head as a leader. Yeah, that looks like a really important part of leadership, you know, about, um, you know, having a quiet mind, about understanding how 
you know, how the mind works and, and, you know, allowing for wisdom and fresh thought to come through, you know, creativity for seeing how to deal with people and situations and for innovation, you know, and, and, you know, if that's, if that's part of your position as a leader, you know, like create, you know, coming up with new ideas, it seems like that if you're really caught up in exactly how something should look and how people should behave and that you're just, you know, two things. One is like you're, you're cutting off your own wisdom, you know, by, by being caught up in how you think everything should look. And two is that like, you're not believing in other people's wisdom, you know, that they, that they have the capacity for wisdom and to show up and to create, you know, in innovative ways, I guess. Yeah. Just one illustration on that. There's a company that I'd worked with in South America and they were a startup. And this person had this amazing idea for a brand new product to take to market. And I think that he was on holiday um, somewhere, I think, in what well, sounded like a beautiful place on the northwest coast of Brazil. And he had this realization, and in his mind, he saw this amazing product that would be really disruptive in the market. And he was right. And he, and he built something. He got funding for it, and he built a company. And the company was well over 150 people and doing really well. And I think six years in, it suddenly stopped growing. And it suddenly became um, bureaucratic. It suddenly became low innovation. And, and what was happening was it was the same idea. There was nothing new coming to the table. Even though that this person had hired people who were really good, but the lead, the, the head of the company, the one who owned it and started it all up, wasn't listening to any ideas of innovation. And it was a great idea seven years ago, and it had six years of really good growth, but that same idea now was behind what everyone else was doing. And that person was still wedded to that idea. In fact, he's woken up to the fact that there needs to be more innovation, that that one idea is, um, is the very horrible phrase that we use in English, certainly in the UK, that we use flogging a dead horse, <laughs> yeah. literally. And, just to just to be really um, politically correct, it would be the same as trying really hard to make something that doesn't work work. Yeah, or pressing the buttons on a computer when it's not switched on because it stopped working a while ago. And and that person, because they were still so entrenched in this idea being the one idea that was going to revolutionise everything, had a shelf life. And until this person let go of the of that person holding on to that idea and it was quite an ego-driven idea in the end it became that that's what created the bureaucracy that's what created the staleness that's what meant that this company was no longer growing and is in fact it declined because it doesn't take long for everyone to copy a good idea what this person is has started to wake up to certainly is the fact that what is in his favor and the company's favor and all the purple, all the people um, that work there is that, well, they're an idea generating machine. Yeah. Every person in there is born as a potential innovator and listening to that and having work around that and what they can do together um, to genuinely innovate and be disruptive again 
is inherent within that organization. It doesn't have to be all on them as the, as the CEO. Yeah. They are changing. There are, you know, some really good signs. Yeah. Really good signs. One thing that I've been wanting to ask you is about, and I, and I don't know how much you look at social media or what you make of it, you know, but there's so much um, comments and posts thrown about on social media about leadership, you know, about what it is and what it isn't. And, and I guess what we've talked about points to the fact that it's just, you know, a concept that people have picked up different ideas about. But there's some people that like create massive followings, you know, like, for example, Tony Robbins, Grant Cardone, you know, things like that. It's like but a lot of people follow those people, but it doesn't look to me like that's about warmth and confidence. It looks to me like that, that people are believing that something outside of themselves are going to make them happy, you know? And it's like, it, it's almost like, um, and, and the other people are selling an illusion, you know, that like, you know, if you get this, 10 times your income, X, Y, and Z, learn about this, then you're going to be happy or something like that. And that seems like, that looks to me like, not to me personally, but it looks like a lot of people are following that, you know? Mm. They do, because we, we are seduced by our own good ideas. And, 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 and that's fine to a certain extent, but to know that every idea we've ever had has got a shelf life. What's more beautiful to notice is that's what's, what's behind what created that idea in the first place is true for everyone. We are idea-generating machines. Inherently creative. And it doesn't mean that every idea we're going to have is going to work. So, you know, I, have, I could think of a product like the non-iron shirt that's truly the non-iron shirt. Well... That doesn't mean it's going to be a great product, but it means that I could have ideas. And also not just ideas for innovation and for new products and new services, but I could have new, new ideas for solving problems, new ideas of working with people, new ideas of engaging with this um, customer group, with this sales channel, with my importers, with my exporters, with my suppliers, with my team. And lovely to notice as well that that, that is, first of all, as, as we both said, inherent, it's innate in all of us. And it's nice to fall in love with the, the fact that we are idea-generated machines as opposed to being seduced by one idea that we've had. Hmm. So I, was, I, I think like the um, one thing, that, one thing that I wonder then, if people could, <clears throat> if people could like that particular thing that I talked about, on you know where there are pe people appear to be big leaders because of the you know what happens on what people see on social and things like that. You know, if people could see one thing about themselves, because I see people following you know and thinking that they've got something missing for themselves and they're going to get it from somebody else who appears to be a leader you know what what would it be for those people to see you know what could they see differently about themselves because i see it almost like herding cattle you know in some ways yeah and in my mind 
I think that's just how humans are. Yeah. That we will, um, we are like cattle sometimes and we will just follow. Yeah. And sometimes because it feels good to have people follow us, then we'll do more of what looks like that works. Yeah. But you're right. What, what people eventually understand and hopefully not too late. And I'm saying this in a way that, you know, speaks to some of the people who have had the fame and fortune and then um, notice that that's not where happiness comes from. Yeah. And then you know, do things with their life that isn't wise. Join the dots as to what we can all mean by that, whether we look for more solace in, in um, whatever vice is our favorite flavor. Or, or even look to escape the human existence because, well, I thought I'd be happy when I'd have this number of followers and this number of people and this amount of income and this much money. Well, now I'm not happy, so that must mean there's something wrong with me. And um, I, I want to escape the human existence because, um, well, what's the point? But to, to, the, to, your, to your question, when people wake up to the fact that they are completely whole to begin with and nothing changes. And for me personally, I've seen that in my own life, having spent the first 42 plus years of my life trying to fix me when that was a very <laughs> um, a long and, and, and process that didn't get me anywhere other than deeply wedded into the idea there was something to fix. When I saw there was nothing to fix, my expression of me has been far more free. But now I don't get so caught up in my own head when the managing director of a, of a, of a huge global company comes into my meeting with the group of leaders. You might, you might be three above them in the, in the organization. And I won't change a job, really. It'll be the same conversation if he was here or not. Ten years ago, that wouldn't have been true. I'd have been in my head, point one, and secondly, what I'd have said and where I was going would have been so um, narrow and so sterilized because I was afraid of saying something wrong that it would have been really anemic. There would have been nothing in it for the team when I was still challenging every single one in that room and still talking in the way as natural as it would be regardless of who was in it. That's a lovely thing for me to have woken up to. That I had an awful lot less on that conversation when that person came in because I knew it had nothing to do with my own um, status as a human being. Because I know there's nothing to fix in me. All I do is express. And, you know, as another example in, in that would be that my my presence, level of presence goes really high because I'm listening to them. My intention is to understand them. Well, intention is too strong a word for it, I think, because intention must mean it's got some kind of focus to it. No, it naturally happens that I actually am more present and my listening goes up. And I see the bigger picture and the detail at the same time because I'm not 
listening to the sounds in my head and all the different opinions I might have about me and how am I doing, well, that's gone. The how am I doing question, which was my guiding question. How am I doing as a man, as a human being, as a, as a coach, as a training facilitator in this organization? That is just not, not something that occurs to me anymore. And when it does, I don't engage with it. I know there's no use in that. And then my warmth and my confidence goes up. Naturally. Yeah. It, it felt to me like you just explained the transformative process beautifully, you know. It's kind of like... Um, I think the reason I asked that question about, about that was because that was the process that I was caught up in. You know, it was like the, in the personal development process and, and like it always looked to me like somebody else had something that I needed, you know. So I was one of those cattle being herded for sure and until one point where I stood there and just thought, this is complete bullshit, you know. It's kind of like there's just nonsense what they're trying to teach, you know. And it was like... And having that realization that I'm that I'm already whole and perfect, and that there's nothing to fix, you know, and and allowing me to show up differently to conversations, and you know, listen to other people's wisdom, listen to my own wisdom, to be present with people, and to have that warmth and connection that you talked about. It's like it's just you know, it's transformed my life, just you know, unrecognizably, you know, and that happened in a, in, in like without too much effort, you know. Mm. That's what insight does. Yeah. When we get a, a truth bomb. Yeah. It's easy then, because we've seen something deep, profound, meaningful, and true. Yeah. And then change is effortless from there. Cool. I think that's a great place to end, uh, an actual organic end. So thank you very much. This has been a, a really cool conversation. I actually can't wait to listen back to it. <laughs> Thank you, Jason. It's been a pleasure to speak with you too. Thank you, Wynne.